Former Olympic speed skating hopeful Bridie Farrell returns to Stories with Street Cred to discuss her latest social justice efforts. After the Boy Scouts of America file for bankruptcy, Farrell has been raising awareness about legal options for former scouts who may have been abuse victims. One such option is to file a bankruptcy claim, and the deadline is by the end of business day, November 16, 2020. Farrell, a survivor of sexual abuse and the founder of the nonprofit America Loves Kids, is a consultant for the firm Motley Rice, which is handling many of those bankruptcy claims. I'm helping Boy Scouts find good, competent counsel, says Farrell. She also discusses the New York Child Victims Act, which was passed last year, the sex abuse scandal involving Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, and a recent Louisville Courier-Journal report about abuse of minors in an Explorer Scout program for youths who want to pursue a law enforcement career. Farrell continues to speak publicly about her past ordeal and hope that by doing so, other survivors will be encouraged to come forward and tell their stories too. Well, we're happy to welcome back Bridie Farrell on the Stories with Street Cred podcast. And since we last spoke earlier this fall, Bridie, uh, I know that you've been busy. Um, what have your efforts been focused on Um and in particular with the Boy Scouts of America. So it's great to be back on. I love being on your show. Um, I have remained very busy um, working and trying to reach out to survivors of child sexual abuse. Unfortunately, we are many. So um, there's a lot of work to be done. But what's been most pressing as of late is, like you said, working with Boy Scout survivors and what happened is that the Boy Scouts of America filed for bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. So all survivors that were abused, anyone who was abused within scouting, has to file a claim to the bankruptcy court um, by a deadline or else they're out of luck, right? So they're out of time, I should say. So what we're trying to do is just a massive campaign to let people know um, let Boy Scouts know that they have to come forward and actually file a claim in bankruptcy court by November 16th at 5 p.m. Eastern. It's that specific. And, and is that any bankruptcy court, Bridie, or how does that work? So first, I am not a lawyer. We'll start mm -hmm. with that. But <laughs> what, <laughs> what happened is the uh, Boy Scouts declared bankruptcy, and so they are basically calling it out for anyone that um, might have a claim, which would be a liability to the Boy Scouts. And so all of those cases go into one pool, if you will. Mm -hmm. So everyone has to get their own representation, but then the the council meets with the bankruptcy court and that's how it, it moves on from there. Um, but again, it's it's like the last chance it's their one opportunity i mean you know how much work we did in new york state with the child victims act and survivors Correct. in new york now have until next august because the window was extended but boy scouts that's not their case they have to file um in, within this bankruptcy so it's it's a really looming deadline and explain if you can to listeners um what are the 
I don't know, the hurdles or the obstacles in place once the Boy Scouts of America, I mean, it's already filed for bankruptcy, but Mm -hmm. what kind of limits does that place on survivors that are coming forward and trying to take action? Yeah, well, again, I'm no lawyer, Mm -hmm. but um, this is it. This is their only chance. You can't, um, like we've discussed, I filed my own personal case. You, if you're a survivor in the Boy Scout community, you can't do that. It's, this is the one shot um, to come forward and speak publicly and be recognized um, in the court of law that you were wronged. The, um, it, in some ways, I think that the bankruptcy makes it, um, I don't want to say easier, but I don't want to say easy, but easier because it's, a whole community of survivors who've been through very similar trauma and tragedy. It's similar to, for example, like Larry Nasser, right? All of those Mm -hmm. gymnasts were just so able to relate to each other. Um, And that's what you'll see within the Boy Scouts community. Mm -hmm. For me, what's been so important to me is the stat is that one in four girls are sexually abused by the time they're 18. But one in six boys are sexually abused by the time they're 18. That's 17% of grown men. And incredible. how it's incredible. It's incredible. And those grown men are our brothers and fathers and uncles and grandfathers. And they're, they're living in and among us in society. And I just think of the potential healing and closure that would come to those individuals and how that ripple would help so many more people. Um, because there are so many men that were sexually abused as kids. And I think that there is also additional stigma for men to come forward. Um, and we haven't seen this huge swell of, we had me too, but we haven't had kids too, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, truthfully, how many... Yeah. And how many men, like how many former Boy Scouts are there on Wall Street? How many former Boy Scouts are there in labor unions, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. from any spectrum of the um, employment market, it's one in six boys, right? Um, And so there's this huge stigma out there that still needs to be broken and chipped away at. And do you think that a big reason why survivors are having trepidation about coming forward is because the Boy Scouts of America is such a huge entity like the Catholic Church or like these other large entities that um, seem imposing on all fronts, but especially in uh, with an issue like this. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I definitely think the the size and the legacy makes it harder for survivors to come forward. Also that there's a lot of positive from Boy Scouts of America. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to speak up and say, well, that was all good. This was horrific and this needs to be addressed. Um, There's a lot of criticism about a survivor coming forward and filing a claim because someone will say I was in the Scouts and that never happened. And I just want to say like, you, you are wrong. You just don't know anyone it happened to. Um, And I also wonder how many of those people that are so defensive that it may have happened to them and they're just not ready to um, deal with it yet. It is um, a challenging time, this whole 2020, um, particularly (laughs) because of COVID. 
Um, have you been able to travel with your, you know, with the efforts that you're making uh, on this issue? And what have you found if you have been able to travel um, to different parts of the country um, while you're channeling all your energies into this uh, into this case? Yeah. So, no matter when I travel, I. When, say, for example, whenever I speak at something, someone always comes up to me and tells me their story and says it's the first time that they've ever told anyone. A lot of times men will come up to me and they'll tell me my their story and then they'll ask me if I think they were sexually abused, hmm. right? Like they've been living with this thing for so long and they just don't want to, when given the form, <laughs> that they should check the yes, I've been sexually abused box. Right. Like they just wow. don't want that to be real. But at the same time, they're looking for some validation as to why there's this trauma in their life. And so um, I think that's what is um, a roadblock for some men to come forward, specifically in this Boy Scout case, is that a first step is is really acknowledging that, you know, a crime was committed against you as a child and to come forward and say that. I don't think people realize, or that's not true. I think they realize that it just takes a moment for them to think about it and then they get it, that one coming forward and telling their story, it the ripple of that is so far, right? So, mm. you know, a, a grown man comes forward today, he has to think of, well, how does that impact my family, you know, my wife and my partner, how, what is that gonna do to them? have kids how's that going to affect my kids and you think that through but then it's what about your kids friends you know and like the ripple keeps going and that man coming forward is going to empower so many others to come forward mm -hmm. but it's just this recognizing that you're really causing a disruption in your own community um, and being strong enough and empowered enough to to take that chance to do it when survivors have spoken to you, male survivors, Bridie, mm -hmm. do you get the sense or have you felt that they're more comfortable knowing that you've come from a background where you had to deal with your own personal ordeal um, growing up? Does that make it um, more likely for them to open up? Yeah, I think when I tell people my story. So I was 15. I was molested by my then 33 year old speed skating teammate. When I tell people my story, um, they open up to it. When I tell people that, look, I might be standing up here on stage today, but it's been a rough road to get here. That helps them to mm -hmm. open up. I think also recognizing that um, I was abused within the skating speed skating movement. And, um, you know, my addiction was to speed skating and training and society really commended me for that where others are addicted to drugs or alcohol or whatever it is. And so they don't, they're not re received the same way. Yeah. So acknowledging that um, helps survivors to come forward. And then I also think letting men know that like, it's terrible, it's too bad. But I still think that there's such a stigma for men to come forward today and just recognizing that does allow so many more men to come forward. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I mean, it's really wild when these guys 
come up to me and tell me these things. And so many of them say, you're the first person I've ever told. I can imagine that now it's been you know, many years into you going public with your story, Bridie. So um, hopefully people know not only who you are in your story, but that it will encourage male and female survivors to feel less um, fear about coming forward, whatever the, the background or the, or the circumstance. Yeah, I really hope so. I, I mean, I encourage anyone that's listening that wants to get involved either with our nonprofit, America Less Kids, or mm. me personally, Um, You know, right now I'm helping Boy Scouts specifically find good, competent ca- counsel. Um, and I think that's also another problem is when a, a man comes forward and then he thinks, okay, I'm going to do something with this. I, but then what I have to go to talk to some guy at a law firm, like that's just yeah. awkward. Yeah. Right. And so I have, I have spent hours and days trying to figure out who are the lawyers that I think would be receptive and respectful and recognizing how hard those situations are. Um, so that when someone calls me, I'm able to say, Hey, these are the lawyers I think would probably be best um, for you to, to call and, you know, call whomever you want and see what, how you feel about it, but give them a few options that have already been pre-vetted versus going to Yellow Pages or Google. That's an important point. I would think that even after November 16th, Monday deadline passes mm-hmm. and survivors come forward after that, whether um, through you or your foundation or other uh, advocates for you know survivors what kind of advice should you or others provide to these um these survivors as far as legal advice or um recommendations about what they can do going forward yeah so the biggest thing i say to folks is that one of the problems with child sexual abuse is the secrecy and silence mm-hmm. around it. And finally, we're able to speak up about this problem. And what comes with that is there are now good lawyers that are working in this field and that um, can help people. And so we no longer have to rely on the equivalency of web md and so you don't have to go in and google i was this i was this years old in this state what is the law there you know like you can pick up the phone and call me and i can help you or you can pick up the phone and call a lawyer and there are people now that are trauma-informed that can help clients go through this that Mm -hmm. can diagnose it and can say listen i'm sorry but in your situation this is your options in your situation. These are your options. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my biggest thing would be to just reach out and find out. Um, a lot of people also don't know that these kind of cases aren't out of pocket for the survivor. Yeah. They're the lawyer takes them on. And then um, despite what people think of them, you know, takes them on for the reason of fighting and trying to get you recognition and justice. And so um the pro whole bono. you pro bono yeah. yeah i mean they'll make money if if the if it comes out favorable for everyone Correct. but it's not mm-hmm. something that you have to pay 
in advance. You I mean, know, it's not huge, like it, yeah, that's a huge, um, important information to know. I would imagine that's a barrier that lots of survivors I think didn't is know out that. there. Yeah, I didn't know that. And also, many lawyers told me they they tried to charge me up front. Mm-hmm. And how I mean, how would I know that? So that's been a huge project of mine, just letting people kind of know their victims' bill of rights in this in this sense, um, to not be taken advantage of all over again. Once the, again, once the deadline passes with regard to the Boy Scouts of America on Monday, if a survivor doesn't file a claim by the deadline, does the survivor have other avenues they can explore, such as you, you alluded to the Child Victims Act in New York State earlier, is that something a survivor in New York could pivot to and and seeks justice through that avenue? It's my understanding that bankruptcy closes the doors. Yeah. But again, I am not a lawyer and mm-hmm. I we don't have to sit and guess anymore. We can pick up the phone and call. So there are people um, that are willing to help survivors find that out. And don't get me wrong. Like it's, it's hard to pick up the phone and call one of these firms and say, Hey, this is what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's part of the, the process of moving on and not to dilute the story of the survivor, but the person that you're talking to has heard the stories a couple times. So they're ready for it. And they know how hard you, it will be for you to talk and how broken up you'll be. So, um, as long as you're going to the right people, um, they'll be you'll you'll be in good hands. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see, Bridey, on the legal front? Maybe within the next year. I mean, obviously, we have again we're living in unusual times with a pandemic. <laughs> but if that starts to uh, improve um, and we turn the corner. With regard to child sexual abuse, what changes would you like to see, maybe not even in the next year, but in the next six months or next five years um, on the heels of the Child Victims Act being passed in New York State last year? Well, I think there's there's from the federal level to why can't we just have a federal bill that pushes the statute out and opens a window for everyone. Yeah. I recognize though, and we're learning very much right now that the, the value and the importance of states and the state government and the federal government, the, the separation of it. But so that's, that's my dream of all dreams. Um, as far as then working in states, I, I'm really interested in Pennsylvania, mostly because of the work of Attorney General Josh Shapiro that he's done there. Mm -hmm. So there's these big, massive projects like we did in New York, New Jersey and California and Arizona that I want to do in other states. But then I also those are the the things that get the front page of the paper. But the the motions and the movements that make the change is a man listening to this and at dinner tonight says i mean to even just to himself like i'm gonna pick up the phone i'm gonna call and see where this gets me or a man at dinner tonight saying to his family and his two kids like hey this happened to me and if this happens to you you can come forward 
right? Like just that inside their home, having these smaller conversations, the ones that are not on the front page, but as my mother would always say, it's just like a layer of paint Mm -hmm. of letting someone know the rules of life and the support system of life. Um, So I think that it's the combination coming from a massive macro to truly the daily interactions of letting kids know that they can speak up and letting adults know that they can speak about their own abuse as well as telling their kids like this, if this happens to you, you know, speak up because it's not what we've typically learned about stranger danger. It's adults we know and love Mm -hmm. and trust. Um, And so just, again, just breaking slowly away at that wall to have people come forward. It's like that old adage, even if it affects positively one person, Mm -hmm. then that's progress. It's, and it's, it's, it's so true. I mean, I started working with someone a couple of years ago and um, I was on the phone. He was driving. I was on the phone and I heard a kid say, dad, who are you talking to? And he looks, you know, you could tell that he moved the phone a little. He's like, oh, I'm talking to Bridie, the sexually abused speed skater. And I go, did you just say that to your kid? Wow. And he's like, Bridie, this is how we make change. He knows about you. He knows this. And I was like, you know what? You're right. You're right. And so this 15 year old, now he's 15, you know, knows like this happens to people and it's not right. So amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely not the role of the family life I grew up in, but it needs to, you just need to keep pushing that needle. I saw earlier today, I'd be remiss in not mentioning this, but I saw you retweet um, a story and I believe it was the Louisville Courier Journal. um, Mm -hmm. And can you talk a little bit about that story? And uh, I mean, just from um, perusing it uh, briefly, it seemed like, uh, you know, again, an unbelievable um, case involving sexual abuse of minors. Um, but what, what did you learn or what did you read uh, in that story? Well, it's exactly what you just said. It's, um, just rampant sexual abuse of children and that's awful and that's terrible but what really just bothers me is the Mm cover-up is that there were all these stories and they just weren't disclosed they weren't looked into the um the perpetrators were never they never went after him so it's just able to continue and continue and continue the other thing that's um all over the the papers as of late is um McCarrick, mm-hmm. Cardinal McCarrick, um, and how, in fact, the, the Pope had heard of his child sexual abuse, and he's still, the Pope still continued to promote this man through the, the Catholic Church. And it's just, it's just maddening. Have we heard this story before? <laughs> you know, I, I know, it's just it's like repeat. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Deja vu, whether repeat. it's, you know, a city or a church or a sport. Um, so, yeah. But again, we are reading these stories, which Mm -hmm. in the day of spotlight, it wasn't that case. So thanks to you and Mike of (laughs) relentlessly. (laughs) That's what needs to happen is uh, accountability needs to be uh, printed in stories and the coverage needs to continue. Yeah. Yeah. I also would say to, you know, folks that are listening and, 
then they Google me or, and they see all these articles and happy pictures of me that when I say and encourage people to come forward, I don't mean to do a podcast, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's just coming forward to yourself and your family and um, whomever it is that's important to you. It's coming forward and being public is not uh, necessary. You did not ask for the abuse to happen to you. You did not choose for it to happen to you, but you certainly choose what you get to do with it. And so Mm -hmm. don't feel this sense of guilt that you have to be, you know, speaking at a microphone, but rather speaking at your dinner table is, is going to make a difference. You know, having those micro conversations is going to make a difference. And it's that collective movement is how we'll overcome this. What about your lawsuit, Bridie? What can you tell listeners about that? And where does that stand? (laughs) So first off, um, it's not like the movies. Okay. (laughs) It's not fast. (laughs) Yeah. But it takes time. I mean, I'm it, it is so true. It's hurry up and wait. Yeah. And it's, you know, tell me all these terrible memories and then we're going to put it into a, a legal document. I mean, I would think, I think my um, piece was really well written, um, mm-hmm. but it's hard to read when your abuse is turned into legalese. Um, but I, I mean, it's a long process, but I know it's the right thing to do and that we have to hold the institutions accountable. I mean, whether it's the church or the Olympic committee, when you know that there are men in the position of power abusing children, you know, someone has to be the adult in the room and stand up. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's truly the reason why I filed my case. Um, And hopefully it will incentivize these organizations to, change and to clean up their act. Are you confident or do you feel encouraged, even though it is a waiting process, that ultimately you'll get the result that you intend intended? Well Or is that too I know early I to have, speculate on I that? mean it's it's so it's totally out of my control, but mm-hmm. I do know that I have one thing on my th- side and that's the truth right like unfortunately this happened to me um my abuser admitted it and there's documentation of it so now we're at the the point of like how are we going to deal with this how are we going to address this and yeah the my suit is about me it has my name in it but it's about the organization and the the movement and taking the irreparable harm that was done to me and extrapolating that out to all these other people and how um, can we make change based on this horrible event from years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's on my side is sadly the truth. And, you know, my abuser also admitted it in the Chicago Tribune. Yeah. So. yeah. What about circling back to the Boy Scouts of America? Mm-hmm. Where is the best means aside from your name and America Loves Kids, your nonprofit, where's the best place for survivors who maybe haven't come forward yet and want to take some kind of step 
with their situation? Where can they find out information? So I really encourage anyone that's interested in finding out more information to actually reach out to the folks at Motley Rice. Mm-hmm. And you can just Google Motley Rice Boy Scouts or Motley Rice Boy Scouts Variety and see my face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I say these guys because they're in it for the right reasons. They have experience in bankruptcy court. Um, and so that's where I would really um, encourage people to go. And it, I know it's not easy and um, it's 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 hard, but I really would um, suggest that that's where folks should go. Great. Well, Bridie, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, and I look forward to having you on again in the future um, as you continue to push this conversation forward and push these issues to the forefront. Um, and the work you're doing is incredibly admirable. So we thank you again for taking the time to come on Stories with Street Cred. Thank you. I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Stories with Street Cred. I'm your host, Christian Redd.